In the midst of this global crisis, the voices for justice are revealing what really matters. It is time for Planetary Makeover. Here we feature solutions and modern miracles in documentary videos that offer hope for our future and remind us all of our spiritual source. Long ago it was forecast that at this time in history, extraordinary teachers, including the world teacher, would emerge to help us as we build a world that works for everyone. Now, here's your host of Planetary Makeover, Mr. David Minot. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in, and welcome to another episode of Planetary Makeover. And this particular one is about honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. And we will go into that in depth. But before we do, we'd like to tell you a little bit about the show and what we are attempting to achieve here at Planetary Makeover. We are simply asking our audience or viewing audience to view our message with an open mind, which is a rare human attribute indeed. I struggle with that myself. And if you've achieved it, bravo. And the reason we mentioned that is because some of what we have to say may be new material to you. It probably won't seem strange or bizarre, but it may seem almost unbelievable in the age that we're living in that is so chaotic right now. And this involves, for the show, a discussion of the emergence of a group of world teachers who've been predicted for thousands of years by all the major religions and philosophies of the world who are going to assist us, humanity, in creating a new civilization based on love, peace, brotherhood, synthesis, justice, ecological restoration, and a whole host of wonderful phenomena. And of course, you may have wondered how we would do this. Well, the, this group of our elder brothers, the Masters of Wisdom, will not do the work for us. They will inspire and assist us. They are led by the world teacher who, despite being predicted by all the world's religions, is not a religious figure per se. Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom are spiritual teachers in the broadest sense of the word. They're here for everyone, everyone from the fundamentalists of every ilk to the agnostics and the atheists. They love everyone equally. They're not looking for followers. They don't want you to believe in them. They're not here to found a new religion, certainly. And it's not some cult. You are free to embrace or to dismiss this information as you will. If it has the ring of truth, however, as we say, we hope that you will look into it further. So, of course, humanity is not alone. That's the good news. And we have help of an extraordinary kind, as I have explained. And this is something that is happening as we speak. This world teacher was predicted by the Christians as the Christ, 
by the Jewish faith as the Messiah, by the Muslims as the Iman Mahdi, by the Hindus as the Kalki avatar, and by the Buddhists as Maitreya. They got the name right. That is his name, the world teacher for the, this, the Aquarian Age, which I will also explain. His name is Maitreya. And he has come, as I said, back into the world with his brethren, the masters of wisdom, who are simply us a couple hundred years from now. Or perhaps you're more advanced than I am, and you'll be a master of wisdom in your next or in a couple of lifetimes. There's no way to tell. But in any event, for all of humanity, no matter where we are in our spiritual evolution, and I know I've got a long ways to go before I become a master, it's good news because they will be here to advise and help us. We don't have to take their advice, and they only will give it when asked, but being the elder brothers of humanity and thousands of years ahead of us, it would be in our best interest to listen. And I think that we're going to fall in love with that whole phenomena. We'll be like little children um, getting answers from the masters. So uh, to discuss it a little more in depth, Maitreya is an avatar, quite simply, and he's wielding energies in combinations that have, I don't think, ever occurred on this planet before. And this in part is because he in turn and the other masters are overshadowed by even greater beings, avatars themselves, like the avatar of peace and equilibrium. That was hard to say. Peace and equilibrium. And one with an energy that we don't even have a name for yet. So that one's even harder to say. So the reason this is happening is because the planet is entering a new age. And that's what all the new age phenomena is really about. It's the age of Aquarius. We're coming out of the age of Pisces. You hear a lot of people talk about the end times. It's only the end times for that age. And at this point, good riddance to it. For the last 2,000 years, the planet was oriented towards the constellation of Pisces. And now it's moving into alignment with the constellation of Aquarius. We're sort of, you know, 50-50 at this point. So the two energies are still sort of um, competing with one another. And the more reactionary and conservative forces in the world would be Piscean, and the more progressive and peace-oriented forces would be predominantly Aquarian. Now, there's a lot of writings about the whole phenomena of the emergence of Maitreya and the Masters, and this began some time ago, back in the late 19th century, I think around 1875, with the establishment of the Theosophical Society and writings by Helena Blavatsky. And that was followed by Helena Roderick. And not long after that, Alice Bailey, Alice A. Bailey. And she was followed by Benjamin Krem, most recently, a British artist, esotericist, esotericist actually, and author. 
And these writings about Maitreya and the Masters are meant to stimulate both our minds and our intuition. And just reading it or listening to it on Audible or other recorded devices is transformative in a way that does not interfere with our free will, which to the masters is sacrosanct and they will never infringe it. So again, you are free to embrace or dismiss this information depending on how it strikes you. And hopefully for you, it will have the ring of truth. Now back to our subject for today, and that is honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. Now what do we mean by that? Honesty of mind? Well, a lot of us, we think one thing, say another, and do yet a third. There's not a congruence of action there, which is somewhat insincere. And when it comes to sincerity of spirit, a lot of us are not ourselves. Of course, to be fair, a lot of us don't know who we are. We don't know where we came from, why we're here, where we're going. But we do have control over whether or not we express ourselves sincerely. While some of us don't know why we're here, what our mission is, what we should be doing um, for work or study, it's important to be yourself, not to kowtow, not to imitate, unless of course, you know, you're a professional impersonator, to express who you are as an individual because as the saying goes, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And what you have to offer, your energy expression, is not expressed in quite that way by anyone else, either on the planet or in the universe. So in a very real sense, we need your individuality because you have something to offer to the world that no one else does. And if you don't express that, then we, it, then we all lose. It's a loss for all of humanity and the planet. So pluck up your courage and step out into the world in that way. Now I have some, I have several actually quotes from Ben's books on these subjects so we can go into it a little more depth. So for instance, um, Maitreya had said that honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, detachment, bring about self-realization, which we'll also go into more, and that they are, quote, potent forces in evolution, unquote, because they're essentials. Can't become a master without them. And that's something we all want to do, to have full command of the forces of nature and to no longer have to return to this planet, to be free of the cycle of reincarnation. Now, to start with, let me give you a quote on honesty of mind. And this is Ben, I believe, talking about what Maitreya had said. He means a mind which is not conditioned by ideology and isms. A mind that is honest to itself, free and open to the experience of life, moment to moment, 
expressing itself perfectly, purely, spontaneously, without conditioning. For instance, if you see yourself as a capitalist, socialist, Christian, Buddhist, or whatever, you do not have honesty of mind. It is not possible. Maitreya sees any ideology, however noble, as a stepping stone. He calls ideologies steps on the ladder. When you, when you finally reach the roof, you don't need a ladder. You can throw it away or hand it off to someone else. An honest mind is a conditioned mind. Or I should say, an honest mind is an unconditioned mind. Only a non-conditioned mind can know what freedom is. The purpose of life is to be free. If you are locked into an ideology or belief system of any kind, your freedom is that much limited. And that was our friend, Benjamin Krem, from Maitreya's Mission, Volume 2. And yes, there is a Volume 1 and a Volume 3 as well. Highly recommended reading. So, sincerity of spirit. I talked a little bit about that. Let's go a little bit more in-depth. And this is another excerpt from the same book, Maitreya's Mission, Volume 2, which I highly recommend. Quote, Sincerity of spirit is seeing reality without distortion. Everyone, under the degree of a master, lives in a greater or lesser degree of illusion. When the illusion is on the physical plane, we call it maya. When it's on the emotional or astral plane, glamour. When the illusion is on the mental plane, we call it illusion. Sincerity of spirit means responding to the emotional experience of life, free from glamour. That is another freedom. Mental freedom is freedom from mental conditioning. Freedom from ideas which are conditioning your mind. Sincerity of spirit is freedom from the glamours of the emotional plane, so that you see life as it is on the emotional plane. You are not caught up in the glamour of astral plane energy." Unquote. So what does he mean by that? Well, some examples of glamours would be fear, low self-esteem, anger, depression, and so on. While all of these seem very real, in the deepest sense, they are an illusion. It doesn't mean we don't cope with them. We face them, we deal with them, we work through them. But it's important when we get to detachment, which we will in a moment, to realize that all of these emotions, all of these experiences, are not you. They're an experience that your vehicle or vehicles is having, the vehicles, the mental, emotional, physical vehicle. And as you know, we don't let the car drive itself. If we do, it crashes. So in this case, don't let your vehicles drive themselves. Make sure you're in command of your physical, emotional, and mental vehicles. And one way to do that is through honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. Now, we uh, discussed detachment quickly and superficially, but let's go into it a little bit more in depth. And this is yet another quote from one of Ben's books. And this one is Maitreya's Mission, Volume 1. 
quote, there are two kinds of detachment. There is detaching yourself in the sense of renouncing the lower for the higher. You are detaching yourself from that which holds you to the lower aspect of yourself, the personality and service to the personality. There is also detachment from life, which is not the same thing. There are many people who detach themselves from the impact on themselves of their own emotions. And at this point, I will close that quote and talk just a little bit about that. Sometimes we think of detachment as a negative. For instance, wealthy people who, seeing all the suffering around them and knowing they have the resources to help alleviate some of that anguish, do not wish to do so. So what do they do? They build a wall up around themselves, a wall of armor to steel themselves against the sufferings of the world. So if some rich people seem aloof, cold and uncaring and callous to you, that's, that's them running away from their true selves, from their identity, from the spirit, from the monad, the spark of God, from the world, and from their brethren, the downtrodden and dispossessed who they could be helping. They don't realize that they are their brethren. They haven't yet been able to look into the eyes of the poor and see themselves. If they did, they couldn't possibly isolate themselves from the suffering of the world. They would feel it too acutely. And having done so, and having the resources to attack the issue, not too violently, they would do so. We need more people in the world like that. And I think that's part of what the future holds for humanity. So having discussed those, why don't we talk a little bit about how awareness and self-realization are related to honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. In some ways, awareness is everything. When you are aware of yourself in your world, your actions, your interactions, your responses, your reactions, the interchange of energies with others and with the world, with the planet, you can respond appropriately. If you're not aware that you are, for instance, angry or depressed or detached in a negative sense and so on, then you're lost. But once you're aware that you're experiencing these emotions, then you can do something about it. That's half the battle right there. Once I know that I'm struggling with, for instance, low self-esteem, I can begin to address that and the issues that have come with it. And using these principles of the mind, spirit, and detachment, I can help overcome those issues that are plaguing me. And now to turn to some of what Ben and, and Maitre have said about it, which is more eloquent than, than I. Uh, one of the quotes is, the soul is how life demonstrates itself in our world. That's from Benjamin Krem. The soul is an agency of the monad, also known as the spirit, the spark of God, the self. And by building the antikarana, which is a bridge between 
the soul and the mind, we can increase awareness. So what is the antikarana? The antikarana is a bridge of energy between the soul and passing down into the brain of every human being on the planet. And we want to strengthen that link because those strands of energy are carrying the wisdom and the power and the strength of the soul and downloading them, so to speak, into your body, which is, also, which is why we do meditation, because it accelerates this. And this is also done through service. And by absorbing these soul energies, we become more loving, calmer, more balanced, healthy, more loving, more creative, everything that everyone would want. So it's in our best interest to work on building that bridge. And as I mentioned, one of the ways to do that par excellence, so the, sort of the royal road to strengthening that bridge between the soul and the physical brain is through meditation, which we will discuss more in depth later. And as I said, through service to humanity and the world, which are one. You are not only one with humanity, you're one with the planet. Not that you are mineral or plant or animal. We may owe our bodies long ago to the animal kingdom, but we are not animals. We're in, apart from that. We are in the human kingdom and working our way up to the kingdom of souls, which is where our elder brothers reside, the masters of wisdom. And so through awareness, this also brings up again self-realization, where you know that you're a soul in incarnation, not just the threefold man on the dense physical plane. Threefold meaning physical, mental, and emotional. And of course here on the dense physical plane, that's just a small part of who you are. And from the soul's perspective, what we are, what this is, on the dense physical plane is merely an illusion, like watching a movie. It's two-dimensional and transparent. But of course, to us here, now, on the earth, in incarnation, we have to treat it as though it's real. We can't be jumping off of buildings or leaping in front of buses because we are still in a dense physical body and we have to respect that. But what we're doing through all these efforts is spiritualizing matter. We're doing what's happening for, in a way, on a broad scale, the first time in history. We are spiritualizing matter. While this has gone on for thousands of years, it has not occurred on such a mass scale as it is now. Humanity has never reached this level before of spiritual maturity, which is why we're talking so much about and practicing honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. In regards to the awareness and self-realization that we've been discussing, here's another quote from Maitreya's message, uh, messages from Maitreya, I should say, volume two, and this one, I believe, is from 
Maitreya himself and not from Ben. And actually, um, there are messages from Maitreya, but this one is from Maitreya's mission, volume two. Don't let me get the two mixed up. And the quote goes like this. You are born to be aware of yourself, to know the master in yourself. Your inner space is sacred. Words to ponder upon or ponder on this, as the Master D.K. said in so many of Alice Bailey's books. And another quote from Maitreya's Mission, Volume 1, we have this quote. To understand that we live in a world of cause and effect creates self-awareness. Although certain disasters are inevitable, the new energy of equilibrium will bring peace. And that's from Benjamin Krem. And also from Ben in Maitreya's Mission, Volume 2. Maitreya has said that the practice of honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment will strengthen self-awareness and lead to self-realization. So you see, it's a circle. If you have honesty of mind, you have sincerity of spirit. If you have those two, you can have detachment. If you have detachment, you have sincerity of spirit and honesty of mind. They're all strengthening one another, as is self-awareness and self-realization, which are part and parcel of that mix. It cannot be separated. And of course, this brings up again the use of the prayer for the new age, which will help to bring about the necessary, correct identification with the self, which is something that we're all striving for. And since I haven't said this one yet, I'm going to repeat it now. This is the prayer for the new age. I am the creator of the universe. I am the father and mother of the universe. Everything came from me. Everything shall return to me. Mind, spirit, and body are my temples for the self to realize in them my supreme being and becoming. Now, using the I, Maitreya is identifying us with the divine spark that is in all of us. As I mentioned before, the monad, the spirit, which is sort of way up here, then it has its go-between the soul, meaning a go-between between the spirit, and us down here on the dense physical plane. So in this way, by using the I, we identify with the creator that we are a part of it, that we are co-creators, that we are gods in becoming, that you are a god with a small g as we speak. And this is part of our job here on planet Earth, is to become co-creators. And that's why we have the prayer for the new age, which can be find, found, of course, in Ben's books. And you can also find it on the web at share-international.us, share-international.org, and you can even just Google it, and it should come up. 
another concept that's and law that's part and parcel of the whole study of the honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment is karma. You may not have thought that this was part of the the whole bulwark of of spirituality that ties into this search for our divinity. But it is a law that has been expressed for thousands of years, though it's not as well known in the West as it is in the East. Karma is expressed in the Bible as, as you sow, so shall you reap. And some people mistakenly think it's a form of punishment. It's not. Karma is actually balance. It's a balancing act and a compassionate act at that. There are great lords of karma who deal with the karma of all of humanity. And all of karma is ultimately liberating. That's the upside. Remember that whenever you feel negative about or afraid of karma, thinking, hmm, is this... Is it bad karma or is it good karma? Well, either way, it's going to liberate you and bring you closer to your true self and more in touch with your true self as a spark of God. And turning once again to Ben's books, there is a passage where he says, what we can do in every event, in every situation, is distance ourselves from that event. Looking at the event as being out there with ourselves here and not reacting. In this way, we gradually create an impersonality in relation to life, a detachment in relation to events where we become indifferent to whether our karma is good or bad. Unquote. And that's what I meant by it being liberating and whether negative or positive is, in a sense, something to look forward to, which may seem paradoxical when it's difficult. But remember, it's always the result of past actions on our part, for good or for ill. And as I said, it's not punishment, it's about cause and effect. Our life proceeds in cycles sometimes painful, but all these represent opportunities for growth through understanding and a gaining of detachment and other relatively pleasurable events evolving easily on the gain of the previous struggle, to quote Ben again, since he says it so much better than I. And here's another one from Maitreya's teachings, The Laws of Life, another Benjamin Krem book that I've read and highly recommend. Karma conditional activity becomes dharma, the way, through cleansing of mind, spirit, and body. This cleansing is achieved through, what we've been talking about all along, honesty, sincerity, and detachment. If one is attached to creation, this is involution, not evolution. This is why you must not be tempted by powers. You can do all these miraculous things, but do not become attached. Be what you are. Your life will fall into the right perspective. The self observes the karmas, activities, 
without becoming attached. Enjoyment is then possible. And that again is a quote from Maitreya's teachings, The Laws of Life. Now, we have touched upon this, but I want to mention it again, and that is evolution. After all, it is one the, what the universe runs on. It is what life is all about. And here's a quote, again from Ben, about evolution. And it goes like this, quote, correctly seen, evolutionary life is a gradual renunciation of the lower for the sake of the higher. As a soul in incarnation, a high level of divinity has incarnated at a lower level of divinity. The journey to perfection, the evolutionary goal, is the gradual renunciation of these lower levels by embodying, at these lower levels, the higher, becoming more and more what essentially is a soul, unquote. As I mentioned earlier, what we're doing here on earth is spiritualizing matter. We've come from spirit, we've come down into dense physical materiality, and we're going back to spirit, but this time we're going to bring the materiality spiritualized with us. That has never happened before. And you're doing it, and I'm doing it. And we're going to continue to do it at a higher and higher rate until we become perfected and are masters of wisdom as well. Here's another great quote from another of Ben's books, The Awakening of Humanity. And he's talking about what Maitreya will discuss once he emerges, after he emerges, on the Day of Declaration, because Maitreya and the Masters will be with us for the rest of the Aquarian Age. Over 2,000 years, that's how long they'll be with us. He will talk about honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment. These are the three. He gives them as three very potent forces of evolution. They are potent because they are the essentials. Um, and they are the essentials because only through growing detachment can you advance to the point of being a master, of being self-realized. I gave you a truncated version of that quote earlier on when we got started, but this puts it more in its proper context. Now, you may be wondering how you can apply this to your life. Well, take in all that you have heard here so far today, because we have more to go, and think about that. Honesty of mind. Am I thinking one thing, saying another, and doing yet a third? It's really hard not to, and that's why most people do it. Sincerity of spirit, am I fulfilling my life's purpose? Am I being myself? Am I not kowtowing to, mimicking others, trying to please others, hiding my light under a bushel so that I don't offend others or scare them 
or because I think that's what I need to do to make them like me. Because everyone is always searching for these things. Everyone craves approval, attention, love, wants to be treated gently, all of these things. This is very common. But are we sacrificing something, ourselves, in order to get this attention that we crave? And will we still crave it if we're practicing these principles? No, we won't. That craving will melt away and it will no longer be a impulse of ours. We won't have the inclination towards doing that because we'll be practicing the honesty, the sincerity, and the detachment. Now to bring this a little bit more down to earth, so to speak, let me tell you what I termed a friend's tale of honesty of mind and sincerity of spirit and detachment and how they applied it successfully in their life to help themselves and to help others. This friend was diagnosed with cancer and it was serious and the doctor was alarmed and said that surgery was mandatory as was chemo and needed to be started immediately. Now, before we go further with that story, let's pause for a moment. This individual, like many of you, realized that her physical body is a sort of energetic stepping down, an energetic downdraft of the etheric body, of your light body. You know, we think of matter as being in three states, liquid, gaseous, and solid. Well, there's four more states above gaseous known as etheric. For instance, has someone ever told you, I can see your aura? That's lowest. That's the indication of the lowest of those four levels. But there's three more above that. And you have a light energy. Every living thing has an energy field. And you have that energy body light body, etheric body. And that is what helps create and stands behind the dense physical. So let's continue with her story, keeping that in mind. She had studied the ageless wisdom teaching, just as I have, and I'm sure many of you have as well. And the Ageless Wisdom Teaching, or AWT, I like to call it for short, showed us that there is another way. We don't have to just accept the word or the words coming out of our doctor's mouth. We don't have to surrender our will to the words coming out of their mouths. And that includes the voices that are political, social, economic, even our friends. There is another way. We can take a broader perspective. And that's what she did. She employed honesty of mind, sincerity of spirit, and detachment, thinking, is there not another way? And that's what this whole study, that's what all of these authors I mentioned, that's what Maitreya and the Masters, 
are teaching us. There is another way to look at life. And speaking of teachers, I'm sure many of you heard of Jiddu Krishnamurti, who was a student of Maitreya's. And he had said many times, the thinker is the thought. So my friend had to be careful how she chose her thoughts and which thoughts she chose, not just how she did it. But what she decided to do proactively was detach from disastrous thinking. And as we all know, there's a lot of disastrous thinking associated with cancer. Look at the doctor's response. You have to get chemo immediately, now. And he also said that she had to sign a paper saying that she would agree to this. And spoke to her lawyer who told her that treatment-wise, it's not legal to do any treatment other than the chemo and the radiation in America. These alternative treatments for cancer aren't legal. And people have been put in jail for that in the past, including a man who discovered etheric matter back in the 40, 40s and built a box called an organ accumulator in which he was able to help treat people's diseases. And I'm trying to remember his name. Maybe it'll come back to me before the end of the program. He was put in jail for that. They didn't even allow him to demonstrate the machine, and he died there. A great tragedy since he was an incredible man and a second-degree initiate. And if you know anything about POE's point of evolution, which they talk about in the Aegis Wisdom teaching, it's a scale from 1 to 5, and the average for humanity, I think, is about... 0.5 or a little lower than that he was a second degree initiate examples of second degree initiates would be Mahatma Gandhi Dr. Martin Luther King President Kennedy President Roosevelt and many others so let's return to her story as I said she Detached, She divorced herself from disastrous thinking. The illness, the trauma associated with it, the suffering, possibility of death, all of that she let go. And she replaced it with thoughts and images and invocations of healing miracles. Because that is the hope that the Aegis Wisdom teaching places before us. And once you know it, you don't just believe it. You can leave the hope behind. You go beyond hope. And that's what she did. She let go of the negative programming from the doctor, from the lawyer, from the news media, from her friends, even from her childhood. Because, as she explained it, her parents had lost a child before she was born. And ever thus, with her and her sibling, they were overly cautious, constantly trying to shield them from danger. And she inculcated and, and absorbed that fear, as all children do, because they, we all imitate our parents. Another great teacher, the one who helped Alice, Alice Bailey write all her books, the master D.K., Joao Cole, had also said long ago, quote, Energy follows thought. 
So we need to watch where our thoughts go, where our attention goes, where our energy goes, or, or I should say where our attention goes, there goes our energy. Where our energy goes, there goes our life. So this woman chose to focus on life and the life as epitomized by the soul and by the spark of the divine. She didn't repress her negative thoughts, such as, you know, will I get caught? Because as the doctor had said, these alternative and often called integrated therapies, these new healing modalities were not considered legal by the U.S. government. She just let go of those thoughts and she opened herself up to new and effective healing modalities, which abound in the world today. And to take a broader view of it, what is life? What is the purpose of the soul? What does the soul know? The soul knows nothing but service. That's all it knows to do. Of course, it's very wise and, and very knowledgeable, of course, but I mean as far as what its goals are, its service. And rightly, this individual realized that since that's the goal of the soul, then this illness and the way I approach it is a form of service. It must be, in a way, a gift to me. And I have to help others through the way that I cope with this illness because it's a service to the world. And she was shining her light unto the world to help others to see who may be groping around in the, the darkness of ignorance and fear, as so many of us are so much of the time. That's why we're practicing all these principles, to bring the light to bear into our lives and into the world. So that's what she did. And she kept meditating. In this case, of course, transmission meditation, which we'll talk about a little before we close. And through her faith, as it were, her belief, and not just faith and belief, but her knowledge of the Ageless Wisdom teaching and adopting the principles therein, including the sincerity, the honesty, the detachment, she healed herself. She was healed of that cancer. And she had a second bout of cancer. She defeated that too. So this must be working because it was a complete success. And part of the reason it was is because she recognized and affirmed that it really, in deepest terms, in broadest terms, and in the larger picture, it wasn't about her or the illness. It was about service to humanity. And that is what the show is about as well. This is a service to humanity. And we are compelled to offer this service because we have studied this information and it's our responsibility to share it with you. It's your responsibility to decide what you want to do with it. If you can relate to it, then look into it further. 
If you can't, well, set it aside and forget it. But please mention these principles to others so that they at least have the opportunity to decide for themselves as you have. So as I stated earlier, I was going to talk a little bit more about transmission meditation. What that is, if you're not familiar, is a sort of stepping down of the great energies that stream into this planet from extraplanetary and cosmic sources and are seven in number. You're acting like a transformer. You know, when the energy is coming in uh, to your house or to your building through the electrical wires, either above ground or underground, they can't come in at full strength because they blow it out of all your fuses. So the transformer steps down those energies so that they can be absorbed and utilized by your home or the building that you live in and all the units that are in the building. This is something that is crucial because these energies are of such a high vibration that they would bounce off the mass of humanity, yours truly included, if they were not stepped down. Now, the masters of wisdom, who we've been talking about, are the scientific custodians of these energies. And they see to it that they come down through the planes to us, and then we have a role to play too. We, quite unconsciously, step down those energies to the animal kingdom, who again, without any thought, steps it down to the plant kingdom, who, in turn, steps it down to the mineral kingdom. So all of creation is benefiting from these energies. And when you do transmission meditation, you're helping spread this energy like a largesse throughout the world. And it's sort of, to put it poetically, it adds to or refills, replenishes the the well of spiritual energy from which all of creation drinks, including humanity. And it's said that one year of transmission meditation, done properly, is equivalent to 10 years of ordinary um, meditation. Meditation in this sense also, transmission meditation, has been known to foment healings. That's not its purpose per se, but people have reported healings during transmission meditation sessions. And I can personally vouch for that because I've been doing transmission meditation for 20 years and I've had healings during sessions. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And it can even help as I think other forms of meditation done properly can as well, help lower the crime rate in an area where it is practiced on a regular basis and infuses that space where it is practiced with this energy. It's a way to accelerate humanity's evolution and thus all of creation here and bring us into alignment with the spiritual hierarchy and help build, create, 
foment, enlarge, speed up the building of the new civilization, which is imperative. Also, we'd like to mention Share International Magazine, where a lot of this information comes from. Benjamin Krem was the editor from 1982 to 2016 when he, as we put it in the Aegis Wisdom teaching, shifted consciousness. But Ben's spirit is still very much with us, quite literally. And the magazine goes on. And I would highly recommend it. It's the only magazine that I don't eventually toss out and recycle. And I've been getting it since 2002. There are no advertisements in Share International Magazine. And just reading it, like reading Ben's books, or Blavatsky's, or Bailey's, or Roderick's, just being exposed to it is uplifting and transformative in a way that, once again, does not interfere with your free will. Also, we'd like you to check out the website for SHARE International. That's SHARE-International.US. And for Transmission Meditation, you can go to TransmissionMeditation.org to find a Transmission Meditation group near you. And Ben's books and other media in regards to this story are available at share-ecart.com. That's S-H-A-R-E-E-C-A-R-T.com. And with that, we thank you for tuning in, and we will see you again very soon here on Planetary Makeover. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays, Western Time, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternational-west.org. That's shareinternational-west.org.